0: Y'all, but I am beginning to look forward to our Sunday morning gatherings. I hope you are too here at the bridge. Uh, If you want to, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 2 in your Bibles. Uh, The words will be on the screen, but if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. So for the past couple weeks and for four more weeks, including today, we're talking about the things that God has specifically told the Bridge Church to be about. Uh, the first time we met on Sunday, we talked about experiencing joy, and uh, we, we believe that the delta in our community needs, a, needs to see a group of believers that have fun together, that love one another and that when they walk into a gathering where we are, we want them to see people who are joyful and we want them to experience that. Christians are against some things, but we have a lot to dance about. So we want to see people who are joyful about their God and joyful about one another. We want them to experience joy. Last week we talked about connecting with the uninitiated and the uninitiated in our community are those who are far from God maybe they didn't grow up in a church home, they don't know that much about church or Jesus Uh, God has called the bridge to be about connecting with those people and and meeting them where they are, on their turf Next week we're going to talk about something that I'm really passionate about And I know the Lord has called the bridge to be about, and that is pursuing diversity. Um, Sometimes God calls a church to reach a specific people group, and they're effective in reaching that specific people group, and we celebrate that. But the Lord has called the bridge to be about, hopefully, coming to a place where different cultures can come in and worship together. Where people that don't look like us, don't act like us, maybe even don't believe exactly like we do, can come in and worship around the name of Jesus. And I think that's going to be really powerful, especially in the Delta, where that's not supposed to happen. But today, we're going to talk about loving the fatherless. It's another foundational thing that the Lord Jesus has called us to be about at the bridge. Kids in the room. I need to put a little disclaimer on this. Don't don't tune me out because you think I'm about to talk about adoption and foster care. If I get boring, shame on me, you can tune me out. But there is a way that you can love the fatherless in a way that every adult in this room cannot. And I want you to hear me. I want you to, to give me a shot to speak to you about this deal. Um, I used to be a, a, a pastor for teenagers, and one of the things that I hated to hear is when, and, and people have good hearts in it, but they would say, Dustin, your, your role is really important because you're working with the future of the church. Kids, teenagers, you are no more the future of the church than I am. If you've trusted the Lord Jesus, you are the church today. And God has a purpose for you now. We make a mistake by saying you're the future. Jesus Christ can use you just like he can use me to speak on Sunday mornings. He can use you at your school. He can use you at your homes. Give me a shot. Don't tune me out. You can love the fatherless. Um, also, I'm not talking about specifically adoption and foster care. Don't think I'm going there with this message. Um, orphans are part of this. Like people who have no mom or dad. They are part of loving the fatherless. But when we say loving the fatherless, we're, we're talking about a more general thing. We're talking about maybe... Uh, this, this could even include a single parent who, who needs the church to come alongside her. Uh, we're talking about... Um, any vulnerable person a, as far as family goes we're not just talking about orphans who have no mom and dad um, this is an epidemic in our community and in the delta it is a heal a that I will die on it is something I'm extremely passionate about and I'm not going to preach about it every Sunday um, But I need you to know that as long as the Lord has me leading the Bridge Church, we're going to impact the fatherless children in our community. Somehow. Um, Most of you know that we've adopted a boy. A wild man named Judd. He's right there. Um, He's the whitest person in the room. He's impacted my life. And I think when we serve children like this, it'll impact us as well. So hang in there with me this morning. Don't hear me say something I'm not saying. We all can impact the fatherless. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When he entered Capernaum, again after some days it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning. There's our good buddies, the scribes again. Sitting there questioning in their hearts, "'Why does he speak like this?' He's blaspheming. "'Who can forgive sins but God alone?' Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, "'Why are you thinking these things in your hearts?' Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Of all the passages in the Bible that speak directly to fatherlessness, I kept on being drawn back to this passage that does not. Um, Obviously, all through the scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the heart of God, the Bible declares that he is Father to the fatherless. And I kept on wanting to go to those scriptures and talk about how God is father to the fatherless and the only way we can be right is if we align our hearts to him. But he kept on bringing me to this passage that doesn't say anything about fatherlessness, but it does address paralysis. There's some teachers in the room and if you speak to one of them, they will tell you that there's not much more paralyzing in the life of a kid than fatherlessness. It's paralyzing to a kid. Listen to these statistics. Over 70% of the inmates in the U.S. prison system are men who came from fatherless homes. 70%. It's, it's paralyzing. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 32 times the average. Paralyzing. 85% of all children who show b- behavioral problems come from fatherless homes. 20 times the average. Fatherlessness cripples the behavior of a child. of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. It cripples the ability and the desire for children to learn. Fatherlessness does. Children who live absent their fathers are on average at least two to three times more likely to live in poverty, to use drugs, to experience educational health, emotional, and behavioral problems to be victims of abuse and to engage in criminal behavior than their peers who live with their biological or adoptive parents. Few things are more paralyzing in the life of a child than fatherlessness. Children, few things are more paralyzing in the life of your friend than fatherlessness. (coughs) Once again, my plan for today is to make a point from the scripture and then apply that point in a couple ways. No application at the end. Each point will be applied as we go. The first thing I want you to see in this passage when we're ministering to the fatherless is resistance should be expected. These men are carrying this this paralyzed man on this mat. Uh, You need to understand that in, in that time, uh, there was probably some mess involved in this. Uh, the guy was probably dirty, probably didn't smell great, uh, might have been laying in some things that would have been really nasty. And these men were carrying him, and, and they come to this, this door where they hear about this man who can heal anybody. And they walk up to the door, and it's filled with people, and they can't get to Jesus If it was me, I would have said, bro, you've been like this for a minute. We'll see what Jesus got planned tomorrow, and we'll try to make an appointment. These guys grab the mat, and they say, we're getting our our friend to Jesus today. Right now, my friend's going to experience Jesus. I know they're having Bible study in there. I know God's teaching, but I'm getting my friend to Jesus today. Today. I love that about this story. Um, Sometimes I feel like the, the phrase, God closed that door, is a little overused. Every time we feel a little resistance in our Christian walk, we say, God closed that door. I don't know about every time. Sometimes God does close doors, and when He does, we need to get our hands off the knob. But sometimes the doors close, and we need to kick the sucker down. We need to find a way for our people to encounter Jesus. So, today, I want to encourage you just because there's a little bit of resistance in caring for the fatherless, friends, if you're going to care for the fatherless, there's going to be some resistance. When we were in China picking up Judd, you can talk to Beth about it, but every day we experience serious crisis around, around getting our son. If you care for the fatherless, you will experience resistance. It should be expected. Sometimes the door closes and we don't walk through it. Sometimes believers in the power of God kick that sucker down. Application. Number 1 be fierce in the face of resistance on behalf of the fatherless. Jesus loves fatherless children. It's all over scripture. He loves orphans, he loves fatherless scripture. he loves fatherless children. But there is nobody more hated in this world by the enemy than fatherless children. It is not for pansies. Caring for the fatherless is not for pansies. And we need believers to, to embrace these children with, with fierce attitudes that we're going to get them to Jesus. Number two. Approach the needs of vulnerable children with urgency. Um, my son has scarring in his life that will never go away because of the time he was not in our home. And that's okay. That's that's okay. God's gonna use his story. It's it's okay. I'm not asking for for pity for, for Judd. But every day we don't impact the fatherless there is there are scars Layers of scars added to their psyche and to their heart. They're fatherless today. They'll be fatherless tomorrow. But we need to have the attitude of these friends of this paralytic and we, where we say we're going to impact them today. And we're going to heal as many scars right now as we can. Um, this time last week when our service was over and we were packing everything up I was getting news that Dr. Julie Boone had passed away and if you knew Dr. Boone um, you knew that she, she embodied this in our community she, she made sure that backpacks were packed with food for kids who were vulnerable So we have an urgency to protect these kids. And we also have a limited time on our own to protect these kids. I'm glad she lived her last day embodying this this right here. But let me tell you something. You don't have to sign up for foster care or adoption to start impacting these vulnerable children today. You can do it right now. Uh, There are ways... I can hook you up with a mentorship at the high school, junior high, intermediate, where you can meet with fatherless children and mentor them. Uh, I heard this week you can sponsor a child through 363 Ministries for $150 a year. Anybody in this room can do that. And we can impact today. Approach these needs with urgency. Kick the doors down. So these kids can be healed. Point number two. The fatherless need our faith. And our faith needs the fatherless. Verse five. Real quick. I want you to hear what happens. Seeing their faith. Jesus told the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith not his faith his faith may have been included in the situation but Jesus saw the faith of the friends around him that were kicking doors down to get get their friends to, to Jesus and he saw their faith and he said your sins are forgiven sometimes I also feel like we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus and it can get twisted a little bit. Um, if friend, friend, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying anything about that um, that's right. You have to have a personal relationship to Jesus to have a relationship with God. But a personal relationship with Jesus always flows out into a public relationship with Jesus. A personal relationship with Jesus does not mean you sit in your closet with your Bible and meditate and you'll, come, you'll talk to Jesus again tomorrow. And then you go live your life the other hours of the day like you want. A relationship with Jesus means that it flows out into who you are. And there are fatherless children who need to see the faith of Jesus Christ flowing out to them in our community. There's another side to this, though. In verse 12, Jesus heals this paralytic, and it says all of them started giving glory to God. All of them started overflowing with worship. The healing of the paralytic helped the faith of the other believers that saw it. Um... There is an element of knowing God. There is a level of knowing God that you cannot have until you obey Him. Listen to me. I'm an advocate for reading your Bible. I'm an advocate for knowing your Bible. We need to read our Bible. We need to know our Bible. But until we obey our Bible, there are things about God we'll never know. There are things about God we'll never see. Judd has taught me more than any preacher ever could. If you know him, you're like... You just got to look concerned. When we first brought Jud home, Jud was hungry, and he would go to our pantry and he would get some food out of our pantry, and he would go hide it in his room. Sometimes he would hide cups of milk. That's fun. Judd didn't trust that his mom and dad would feed him next time he gets hungry. Sometimes I don't trust that my father and heaven's gonna take care of me. When Judd, when we first brought Judd home, he had no clue what it meant to be a son. He was institutionalized. He was living behind some barriers in, in, in a fence. And he, he was institutionalized. He didn't know what it meant to be family. He didn't know what it meant to be a son. He didn't know what it meant to be a brother. And sometimes I struggle with the fact that me and you are really family. If you know the Lord Jesus, you and I are more family than my biological brother is to me. Sometimes I don't treat it like that. But Judge taught me that we learn to be family. Um, Judd loves Ben's, the Chinese place. He calls it the homeland. (laughs) Beth teaches him weird stuff. Um, One time, Beth had left for the weekend, and it was just me and Judd, and uh, I try to take him to the homeland when it's just me and Judd. So we go in there, and and he's, he gets shrimp and rice, his two favorite things. And it, it looks like he's ate his rice with a weed eater. I mean, there's rice on the table, on him, in the floor, all over the place. And at the end of the meal, I said, uh, Judd, you want your fortune cookie? And he goes, yeah, chocolate chip." Bro, they come in one flavor, cardboard, you know what i mean um, but but in that moment, Jud taught me that that he still has his chineseness, but he 's also being changed to a new culture, and you if you 're a follower of the lord jesus you you have that old. Uh, part of you, that old part of you that, that the Lord has created you to be and it's part of your story, <coughs> but you also have a new culture. Judd taught me that. The other day or a couple months ago, I went to see my grandma at assisted living. I took Judd and Selah with me, and I was talking to my grandma, and my mom took the two little ones out into the hallway and was talking to some different ones that that she knew, and she said, hey, this is Selah, and this is Judd, and they adopted him from China, and that lady was like, really? And Judd said, yeah, but now I'm from Wynn, Arkansas. (laughs) You know, little redneck Asian. We have that old identity, but he's redeeming us and making us new. Jud taught me that. When we're ministering to the fatherless, they need our faith, but our faith needs them. Sometimes we avoid the hard things when God wants to teach us something in the hard things. God wants to grow our faith in the hard things. Application number one, look for opportunities for your faith to become tangible in the life of a fatherless child. Pick one child. Find one child that your faith can become tangible in their life. Children, this is for you. Um, This can be anything from adoption and foster care to sitting by a vulnerable child at the lunchroom table. Don't avoid them just because everybody else does. Your faith can impact them at your school just by being a friend. Number two, take a posture of learning and serving the fatherless. Constantly ask Jesus what he's teaching you about him and about yourself. Things will go right sometimes. When we love the fatherless, just like that paralyzed man getting healed and we're going to have things to celebrate about. Things will go wrong sometimes, but I promise you, if you'll let him, Jesus will teach you about him and yourself in serving fatherless and vulnerable children. Number three, be prepared for distraction and messiness. Can you imagine what the people in that house were thinking? This is a real story. This is not a parable like I talked about last week. This is a real story. This really happened. Jesus is at this house teaching a big old group of people. And and there's this guy that's paralyzed and they're trying to get him to Jesus. And they could probably wait till tomorrow. But they said, hey, Bible study over. We're tearing the roof off. And Jesus is sitting there teaching and a little dust starts falling from the ceiling, they're like, well, that's, that's weird. And then, like, dirt clods start falling from the ceiling. Can you imagine that the people in there probably got upset? I mean, there's no telling how they promoted it. Can you, like, this is crazy to me. Like, uh, you can see churches saying, hey, we got Francis Chan coming to our church. And everybody's like, wow, you got Chan. We got Beth Moore coming to our church. Wow, you got Beth Moore. We got God coming to our church. You know what I mean? We got God coming to speak to our folks. This is God talking. The best teacher that's ever taught, speaking to these people, and they're glued to him. They've packed the house, and somebody starts tearing the roof off. Total distraction. Probably messed up Sister Martha's hair. Somebody started crying, messed her makeup up. Jesus stopped and he healed this man. Y'all, loving people who are paralyzed by fatherlessness is messy. You cannot avoid the messiness of serving these people, these children. It's messy. Number one, don't let you being distracted keep the fatherless from Jesus. I have a concern that sometimes church culture teaches us that we can go to another Bible study and that's what God wants from our lives. God wants us to apply our Bible studies. But those Bible studies, we, we can turn the air conditioner on. We can throw us some coffee on. We can eat whatever people eat at Bible studies. I mean, a donut. And everything's controlled. The setting is controlled. And we get to talk about Jesus and, and how we ought to be, but we're not. And, and we get to have this great conversation about the Bible, and the Bible's so awesome. And that's good, but don't disturb our Bible study. Listen, y'all, when you start to apply the Bible, it gets ugly quick. When you when you start loving your neighbor as yourself it gets messy. When you start meeting people where they are, they're normally in a mess. And the fatherless are in a mess. Don't let the mindset of I don't like my Bible study to get distracted keep the fatherless from Jesus. If fatherless children start coming and sitting in these chairs, there will be distraction. And you're going to have a choice to make. Am I going to get upset and be mad about my Bible study getting interrupted? Or am I going to roll with it so these fatherless children can hear a message about hope in Jesus? Don't let you being distracted hinder the fatherless from encountering Jesus Christ. Number two, get dirty. Our faith is not boring. This faith is fun. Um, One thing that Kirk says to me a lot is he sees somebody trust the Lord Jesus and he's telling me about it and he'll say, man, this faith is a lot of fun. Y'all, the only time... Christianity is boring is when we make it that way. This is fun. You're going to have opportunities to laugh with these kids. They're going to say stuff to you that's going to embarrass you. And you can just smile about it. They're going to do some stuff that's going to be weird. And you get to love, love them and love Jesus through it. I, I want. I want. To, I want to make this statement with with all kinds of love. But but at some point, I mean, the Bridge Church is fun. I, I love the Bridge Church. It's all fun right now. But but at some point, we're gonna do something that you may not like. And it may upset you. I heard somebody say the other day, I I don't take advice from soldiers with no dirt on their uniforms. Process that. It was a pastor. He said, I don't take advice from soldiers with no dirt on their uniforms. Basically, he's saying, if you're not in the fight, I don't take advice from you. Man, he's got a good point. Because people who are in the game, people who are fighting out there, have, have stuff they can offer you. Dustin, I saw this happen with this person today, and, and we need to change some things. That's okay. But I like that. I want to encourage you, you're in a war, get some dirt on your uniform. Get in the game. And I think you're going to have a lot of fun. Have fun with it. Before we close, there's one thing I need to share with you. And it's verse 5 again, but I want you to see it from a little different angle. This cat was paralyzed. His friends had... Torn the roof off of a house and dropped him down to Jesus and and interrupted the whole Bible study. And you know he's thinking, Man, Jesus is about to heal me. I'm fixing to walk again. And they drop him, they lay him on the floor, and he looks, Jesus sees the faith of his friends, and he looks at this guy, and his response is your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine what that, what that man thought, possibly thought? I mean, if it were me paralyzed looking up at Jesus and, and I can't move and he says, your sins are forgiven. He's probably thinking, I didn't come here for that. I didn't ask you anything about my sins. I'm Paralyzed. Friends, I want you to understand that no matter what's going on in your world whether it's husband-wife drama financial drama or even fatherlessness it's not the worst problem. Jesus addressed the worst problem first. He said your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And, and one thing about that is he didn't promise him after his sins were forgiven, that he was fixing the hill of paralysis. He just promised him that his sins were forgiven. And today, if you trust Jesus, I'm not going to promise you that he's about to fix your world. It might get worse. Your finances might get worse. Your marriage might get worse. Sometimes trust in, the Jesus throw, trust, trust in Jesus throws another monkey wrench into our already big problems. But your worst problem is that we've messed up and we've broken that relationship with Jesus Christ. With all the love in my heart, I want to tell you, he wants to take that paralysis away today. And he can and he does and he will. We're going to sing a couple more songs. I hope the message will help you worship better. But if, if, you, if you feel like you're paralyzed in a life of sin, Jesus can speak to that and it's done. Healed. Instantly. I'd love to share with you how he can do that today. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you today, and I'm thankful that you are father to the fatherless because you know that, that my heart clings to and runs to fatherlessness. You, you know that sometimes I push you away as my father. Sometimes I don't want you as my father. Sometimes I don't like your guidance. Sometimes I like to rebel against your fathering me. So I'm thankful that you have declared in your word that you are fatherless to, father to the fatherless because that means you're father to my spirit, a fatherless one, in need of adoption into your family. I'm also thankful that you're father to the fatherless because of the need. And God, I pray that each person in this room would align their heart with yours on this subject that we would begin to supernaturally care for vulnerable and broken children. Father, I pray you would teach us how to worship in the next few moments, that we would worship you better than before. And I pray for that person who may be laying on the floor paralyzed in their sin, that they would look to you and you would heal them. No matter what, we're going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.